Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. Today, we welcome back Ginger Hubbard and Katie Morgan to talk about another parenting issue. Today, we want to talk about often when we are trying to lay down the guide rails of discipline, specifically in the habit of obedience. Sometimes we slip off into some less than beneficial practices <laughs> <laughs> that they just don't align with our purposes and our, our real goals as parents, where we want to be as parents. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about what some of those mistakes are mm-hmm. and how we can get out of those pitfalls, as it were. First, I would love to talk a little bit about when we say discipline. Mm-hmm mistakes that we can make as we discipline our children. Too often we have a very narrow view of discipline Mm -hmm. at large. So let's clarify what we're talking about. Okay, as far as biblical discipline. Yes. I think it's wise first to maybe state what it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not a formal or strict or legalistic way of teaching. And it's Mm -hmm. not just a method that we use just to try to get our children to outwardly comply. Um, The purpose of biblical discipline is to help our children realize that the sin, um, the the behavior sin uh, stems from what is going on in the heart and to help them recognize their need for Jesus. Jesus is the only cure for sin. And then also biblical discipline is for the purpose of driving the foolishness out of the hearts of our kids and replacing that foolishness with wisdom. Because when disobedience is met, with discipline, our children learn the law of the harvest. They learn that God has built the principle of sowing and reaping into their worlds. And with that lesson comes wisdom, wisdom to make good choices. So that is a lesson that we want to teach, not avoid. And then I would say also that biblical discipline is uh, the means. It's not pleasant. Let's just say that. Nobody ever wants to discipline their kids. So it's not a pleasant thing, but it is the means that brings righteousness and peace to our kids because we're told that in Hebrews 12, 11, that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, (laughs) but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So I would say in a nutshell, that is pretty much the purposes of biblical discipline. I like to think of discipline. Too often in our heads, we equate discipline equals punishment mm-hmm. or correction. And that's all we think of it mm-hmm. as, just that very narrow perspective. But in my mind, I always think of it as an umbrella, that discipline is the umbrella and it includes teaching mm-hmm. and training, practicing mm-hmm. and correcting as needed. Mm-hmm. But all of those are part of laying down those guide rails mm-hmm to help our children align their hearts with God's heart right. and follow his word. And I love how you said that it's not just limited to a certain time or a formal mm-hmm. thing. It reminds me of a quote that Charlotte did. Let me find it here. In Parents and Children, she said, she, she talks about the wrong perspective that a lot of people have mm-hmm. and how she defines discipline. She said, this thought of discipline, for example, is one of the large comprehensive ideas which must inform and direct the life, rather than be gathered up into a rule, easy to remember, easy to apply, now and then. If Tommy is naughty, whip him and send him to bed. Is a ready reckoner kind of rule, handy to have about one, and is the sort of thing that many people mean by discipline. And then later she, sit, she defines hers. 
her definition of discipline. Not mere spurts of occasional punishment, but the incessant watchfulness and endeavor which go to the forming and preserving of the habits of the good life is what we mean by discipline. Mm, that's good. I love that. that watchfulness and endeavor. Incessant watchfulness and mm-hmm. endeavor. And discipline is discipleship of mm-hmm. our children yes. and should be approached as such. And we, we always go into that situation with prayer with our children mm-hmm. and before mm-hmm. we go into that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, Any think, form of discipline. Right, right. And consequences have their place, but they're not a substitute for training and instructing. The scripture says that we're to teach, rebuke, correct, and train in righteousness. That is an ongoing, every day, all the time process. It's not an overnight, you know, thing that we do with our kids and then then we expect them to automatically have it. You know, biblical discipline is something that they have to practice. Just like in, in so many things, it takes practice. And sometimes I'll give the example that, you know, when I was a little girl, I put on a pair of roller skates and I stood up, and then I immediately fell. But <laughs> yes. after like maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes of practicing, I could roll several feet before falling. And then by the time I was 12 years old, I could actually roller skate with no more effort mm. than it took for me to walk. Now, skating does not come natural, but through the discipline of practicing over and over and over, it became more like second nature to me. And although that is a physical illustration, it it's definitely, the same principle. it's the same spiritually. When we have our children exercise spiritual wisdom over and over and over, it's going to become more like second nature to them. Yeah, you practice it till you it becomes practice. a habit, That's a spiritual right. habit. Yeah, we can't expect to teach our children a biblical principle and expect them to automatically have it. That, yeah, it takes just practice. boom, there it is. Yeah, sure. It's the same for us, yeah. you know? Yeah. It takes exactly. time for us to learn things. In all things, yeah. So so in that context, that broad context of discipline, mm-hmm. what makes these practices that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. a mistake? Well, I refer to some of these mistakes that we're going to talk about as deceptive philosophies because they may actually manipulate the child's behavior to some extent. There's the key word. But they definitely fail mm-hmm. to reach the heart. You know, I have found that so many parents today focus only on that outward behavior of their kids. Mm-hmm. They've sort of developed this philosophy that if they can get their children to act right, to behave, to speak respectfully, that they're raising them in the right way. But there mm-hmm. is far more to parenting than getting our children to act right. Um, We want to get them to think right and to be motivated out of a love of virtue, a love for what is right, a love for God rather than a fear of punishment. Mm -hmm. And we do that by really learning how to reach past that outward behavior and pull out what is going on in the heart and then address it from a biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. Great, great. All right, so let's go through your six mistakes that you've seen, well, probably all of us have seen. Not just seen, but sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) We know this from experience probably. Mm -hmm. All right, so the first one is bribing. Okay. Talk a little bit about bribing and how that's a mistake. Okay, well, that may sound something like, honey, if you obey mom in the store today, I'll give you some candy. Yes. I observed this mom in Walmart years ago telling her son, he looked like he's maybe two and a half, three years old tops, telling her, the child to come to her, and he stubbornly just took off running in the other direction. And in desperation, this mom yells across Walmart, come to mommy and I'll give you a sucker. Yes. <laughs> and yes. immediately the child goes from hearing impaired to exceptional hearing and comes very quickly to mom's side. But you mm-hmm. see, the problem with that is that is not training the child 
and obedience. That yeah. is actually rewarding the child for, for stubbornness. Yeah. Yes, yeah. giving them a reward in order to get them to obey, that encourages them in selfishness because their mm. motive for obeying is, okay, yeah, sure, what do I I'll obey for what mm-hmm. I can get out of it. And that's a selfish reason. That's Children should be taught to obey because it's right. And because it pleases God not to get a reward. Yes. So that's the first one. We see that around a lot. Um, Okay, second mistake, threatening. Threatening. Okay, this one usually comes after we have repeated our instruction several times to no avail, and so we pull out the big guns. Something like, if you don't start sharing your toys right now, I'm going to send them all off to kids who will share. (laughs) You know, yeah. but this teaches them, I mean, let's get real. This teaches them that mommy doesn't mean what she says. Exactly. You know, how many of our parents, in an attempt to get us to appreciate our toys, talked about the kids on the other side of the world who don't have any toys, mm-hmm. but how many of our parents actually followed through with that threat and gathered up, boxed up, taped up all of our toys and shipped them off to 10 buck two? Probably not too many. So we need to avoid saying things that we don't mean. And you know what? Let me just say this, because... Even though I teach on these principles of what not to do, I fell into every single one of these that I'm going to share at one time or another. I remember one time falling into uh, this trap of threatening my kids. Um, We were finished with our school day. I homeschooled my kids all the way through, and uh, we had finished school for the day, and I'd been telling them for probably about two hours that they needed to get their rooms cleaned up, and they were just procrastinating and just not obeying and doing what I was telling them to do. And so what do I do? I pull out the big guns. I throw out a threat, and I said, if you guys don't hurry up and get these rooms cleaned up, you are not spending the night with Nana and Papa tonight. Okay, right. No. I knew good and well. <laughs> That's punishment for you. I was, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to forfeit my night alone with no kids in order to follow through with that threat. And I didn't. I threw out a threat mm. and I did not follow through with it because I wanted my night. So, you know, all that to say in the book of Matthew, it says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And it also says, I think in Proverbs, um, that we are to weigh our answers. That means that we are to think before we speak. So we need to try not to say yes or no to something or to administer that uh, command or that warning unless we're really willing to follow through. Because if we don't, that's going to cause our, our kids to question our word. It's going to mm-hmm. create some confusion and even some insecurities in their heart. And they can see right through empty threats. They can. Oh, They're yeah. really oh. good at that. <laughs> yes. So if you oh, throw yeah. it out mm-hmm. there, be willing to pack up those toys and ship them off to 10 bucks too. Yes. So that they know that we, we letting your yes be yes and your no be no, that means that we say what we mean and we mean what we say. Good. So it's important. Yeah. yeah, very important. Mm-hmm. It's mistake number three that we're going to talk about is repeating yourself. Repeating. We talk about this a lot mm-hmm. for the habit of attention. Right. Also for the habit of obedience. The two go together. Mm-hmm. Right. So talk a little bit about Well, that. the repeating instructions over and over in the context that I'm talking about, it kind of goes along the same lines as threatening. Uh, my oldest stepson, Hudson, he is a total history buff, and he loves war stuff. So he has taught me a whole lot about battle strategies and uh, military um, strategies. And uh, one thing that I have learned and the things that he has taught me about all this is that all of the great, um, admirable, successful generals of our time, they, they all had one thing in common. They were certain of their command before they issued it. Mm. And so, and that really kind of goes right along in line with what the scriptures say, which says that when, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, 
who will prepare for battle. Because soldiers, they don't respond well to an uncertain or an inconsistent leader. They're going to respond well to one who is certain of the command and issues it with confidence. And then that gives them confidence. So we want to be careful that um, that we are confident in what we're saying, because if we're not, that's going to even cause our children to question their position in the family, because they don't really know what when they need to obey and when they don't need to obey. Yeah. And so we need to clearly instruct and then expect for them to follow through. So in the context of obeying, yeah. And I think that requires slowing ourselves down enough and slowing them down enough to make sure we have their full attention before mm-hmm. we give a command. Yeah. A lot of times I'll you know it'll be off the cuff and oh you know, we're not doing this anymore all of a sudden and um, or they're off playing and they're not really hearing me. Mm-hmm. And so then it, we kind of fall into this tricky spot where it's like, well, I didn't hear you, mom. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's really difficult as a parent to discipline something I wasn't sure they heard to begin with. Right. So it's making sure that I'm slowing my mind down enough and really getting their full mm-hmm. attention. And I've heard you say that with yours, you will go and you will, like you talk about, yes. and make eye to eye contact. Yes. Then you know they've exactly. heard the instructions. They've right. responded to the instructions. And, and have now, them repeat it. That's right. Have it repeated. And then there's no gray area. They right. have a choice. They can either choose to obey or choose to disobey. Exactly. But it makes it a cut and dry issue. And then we know, you know what, what we're dealing with. We remove the gray area. We remove the gray area. That was one reason that I never wanted to yell across the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so easy to do that, you know? And it's so easy I'm for them busy to say, well, here. I didn't hear you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I don't want my home atmosphere to be one of yelling voices yes, right. all over the place and you're never sure who heard it Mm -hmm. or what they heard. So it's like, like you said, slow yourself down. Take the time Mm -hmm. to walk over there, get eye-to-eye contact, and say your directive Mm -hmm. rather than just, you know, pitching it out there and hoping somebody maybe might hear it right. and respond to it. Right. You're or kinder even, yeah. than I am. I say, come to me and look in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you go to them. <laughs> well, because if I say, come to me, and they don't, well, there you go. I got another <laughs> obedience issue before I even oh, issue this command. Good point. So you're That's eliminating the power struggle. Yeah, exactly. Very good. You just try to make it as smooth as possible. There you go. You know? Let's deal with one thing at a time. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Now, you mentioned a very key word, I think, at the beginning when you said that a lot of these practices are manipulation, mm-hmm. a type of trying to get our, to manipulate our mm-hmm. child's behavior. And we've talked in past episodes about how that is not respecting the child as a person and right. that true authority is not about manipulation. Right. And the next uh, mistake that you've mentioned, I mm-hmm. think really plays into that. Mm-hmm. And that is trying to appeal to emotions right? and, and manipulate their emotions is exactly. what you're doing. Give an example of that. Well, I think as moms, and I can say this because I am a mom, I think one of the ways that, one of the common ways that we might try to manipulate their emotions is by making them feel guilty. Mm. You know, sort of that after all I do for you, this is how you repay me yes. sort of thing. Yes. But, you know, really that is going to encourage them to be people pleasers. And that's not a healthy way to live. Mm -hmm. We want our children to obey and to do what's right because it pleases God. And so we, and also we don't want them to obey and do what's right out of a parent inflicted guilt trip. It needs to be for the right reasons because, you know, in Colossians, it says children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. So that is what we want their motivation to be, not because we have swindled them into feeling guilty. Mm. Because then when they grow up or whenever they're out of sight of the parents, Mm -hmm. you're not going to have that lasting heart 
That's motivated right. behavior That's right. of obedience, it'll be, what can I get away with when she's not looking? Right. Mm. And even when they get older, uh, you know, so many uh, adult kids today are bitter toward their parents because the parents manipulated so mm. much in them into doing the right thing. Mm. So it's not about manipulation. It's about what is, you know, best for them. And also, there, uh, what's, where's the verse? I think it's in Deuteronomy that I'm so bad about knowing scripture and not knowing <laughs> where it is. So I just say, the Bible says, somewhere in the Bible, it says... Um, that uh, when children respect their parents and honor their parents, it will go well with them. Mm -hmm. And so it's also, it's for God's glory, but it's also to their benefit. When children honor the Lord by honoring and respecting their parents, it's going to go well with them. You know, so that's that's a promise that we have in the scripture. And so that's something else that we want to point out to them is we want, we want things to go well with them. We want yes. them to obey the Lord because then they're going to be acting in accordance with God's will. And I think this is a universal temptation. I once saw an embroidered pillow that said, my mom is a, a travel agent for guilt trips. So I think, <laughs> oh, wow. yeah, which I mean, I wouldn't give that as a gift ever. That's right. not a good idea. <laughs> but I think a lot of moms in particular struggle because we do so much for our children and we mm -hmm. sacrifice so much for our children. But allowing ourselves to let them feel guilty about that is really counterintuitive and goes against our purposes for mm -hmm. teaching them You're right. in righteousness. Yeah, and because we sacrifice so much for our children, we all do, we kind of get this mentality of they owe us right. obedience. Mm -hmm. You owe me obedience because of all these things I do for you. But that is, that's very selfish on our, our part. Again, we want to teach our children to obey and to do what's right because it pleases God, not because it makes us be you know, feel better about ourselves or about or our Or look better to other or people. Or look better to so other people. So often that is yeah. the motivation mm -hmm. of our sinful hearts mm -hmm. is don't embarrass me, kid. Exactly. Yeah. I've done all this, you know, so I look like a good mom, mm -hmm. so don't embarrass me. That, right. That can really And that's our out. fear of man. Yes. It is. And it's also finding our identity instead of in Christ. We're finding our identity in the behavior and the performance of our kids. Mm -hmm. And man, what a heavy weight yeah. to put no pressure, on the weight kids. of our, yeah. of our shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Our, yeah, yeah, that's right. So we don't want to look for our to our kids to be our identity and their behavior to be a reflection on who we are as parents. Um, you know, our job is to honor God and to train our children up in the way they should go and teach them what's right and teach them to honor God. And, and that's and the reason we do it is for the glory of God, not for our own. Mm -hmm. So manipulating Spotlight. by trying to appeal to emotions mm -hmm. off the table. Yep. <laughs> um, the next mistake we want to talk about is one that you wrote a whole book on. Don't make me count to three. <laughs> yep. That's and actually my favorite mistake because... <laughs> oh, we heard it just last week. Yep. We, were, we were at a friend's house and we were out on the back deck and somebody next door was out on their back deck uh -huh. with little kids yep. and they told the little boy to do something and you knew he wasn't doing it because next I heard one, <laughs> two, and I, I remember years ago when I read your book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, I was thinking... It just logically doesn't make sense. What you're doing is training your child not to obey until to delay. you get to three. Right. That's yeah. right. Or until you raise your voice. You're teaching them fractions, though, really, because you're like two and a half. <laughs> two, and a half. Yeah. two and three quarters. Yeah. Oh, I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about that mistake. Yeah. Well, when we count to three, we are teaching our kids delayed obedience, and we want them to obey the first time, really. And so, you know, yeah, we see those parents all around us where they say one, two, two and a half, two and three quarters, but teaching kids to quickly obey ought to be the standard. And we're, again, we're teaching them delayed obedience when we do that. And, you know, if my young child is mm -hmm. about to step off the curb into a busy street, 
I don't want to have to count to three before he obeys. And so teaching kids to obey needs to be the standard. And we need to be aware of things like repeating our instructions two or three times, raising our voices, threatening, bribing, counting to three, because those things draw us away from teaching our children to instantly and completely obey the way that ple- the, in a way that pleases God. Yeah. Now, the last mistake that we wanted to discuss is another big one, and that's when I see parents trying to reason with their toddlers. Mm-hmm. It's like, honey, this toddler doesn't know how to reason mm-hmm. yet. They, they don't have the capability to step outside themselves and look at themselves and say, why did I do that? Right. Or it's just not developmentally appropriate right. for the young child. Yes, exactly. Talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, so let's just give an example so they know exactly what we mean by reading. And we're not talking about older kids. Where no. It's okay to have some dialogue, respectful dialogue Absolutely. and explanations. Yes. We're talking about the really young child. So, like, say that mom asks her six-year-old, Honey, don't you want to come and eat lunch now? Mm, no thanks, Mom. I'm playing with my cars. But, sweetie, your hot dog's going to get cold if you don't come and eat it now. That's okay, Mom. I I think I'd rather play with my cars. Well, honey, I thought if you would come on and eat lunch right now, we might have time to go to the park after. Okay, Mom, I'll I'll be in there in just a few minutes. You see, instead of just simply telling her son what she expected and then requiring that obedience, this mom is actually trying to talk her child into obeying. Mm. But parents who try to reason with young kids, they usually end up frustrated and a lot of times outwitted. Yeah. And then then a lot of times they'll wind up resorting to a bribe Mm -hmm. in order to get the response they're after. But reasoning with small children in an attempt to get them to obey, like you said, it really causes confusion because it places that child in a position that they are not mature or responsible enough to handle. It erases that line of authority that God has Mm -hmm. placed between the parent and the child, and it brings that child up to a peer level with a parent. And that causes confusion as to who, what is the positions in the family here. And it can create insecurities in their hearts. So they need to know who is the parent, who is the child, and that they need to obey what mom and dad say. That that we have the experience and the wisdom Mm -hmm. to make those what could be hard judgment calls Mm -hmm. or the necessary judgment calls that are best for them. We're not putting that pressure on them to make the choice, to make the decision for themselves. That's too much for them when they're little. That's right. That's why God put us as an authority over our kids. From a worldly perspective, this seems unkind to, you know, require obedience. And a lot of people will make comments here and there on, I've seen online about, you know, this is just too authoritative. But it's it's not kind to leave our kids confused in what the rules of our home are and not prepare them for, you know, having to submit to any authority. Uh, mm-hmm. It's problematic for us to not raise our kids. But we can do this in a very respectful and loving and gentle manner. Right. And that's the difference. It's not, you need to obey right now. It is these are the rules, and just to say it very matter-of-fact and very kindly. Mm-hmm. We can right. be firm yet kind. Exactly. Right. We don't have to be harsh. Yes. Right? Yeah. And also don't be wishy-washy with things, mm-hmm. you know, because that causes confusion with our kids, too. You know, like one day, you know, maybe the child um, is allowed to pl- drag all the Tupperware out of the kitchen cabinet, but then the next day... He's disciplined for it. Well, that's confusing and mm-hmm. exasperating. And the child's going to be walking on eggshells, you know, because he never knows when you might strike. And so, mm-hmm. you know, again, we, it's, it's consistency and setting the boundaries. Kids thrive when there are boundaries. They feel secure. They feel secure. They know where those boundaries that's are. That's right. That's right. So. And that's why so many of them will push against it. It's like, is this really going to hold? Mm-hmm. Is this strong enough to hold me? Right. 
But it's a security thing when they have those boundaries and they know that there's going to be consequences when they overstep those boundaries because yeah. that that gives them comfort to know that with boundaries come freedom, you know, because when when they understand those boundaries and they stay within those boundaries, um, then they are choosing what is right. And then we start giving giving them more freedom as they and get older. And we can widen the boundaries that's as right. they get older and older. And see, and that's where we fail a lot of times as parents. We start out giving them free reign to do whatever they want to do. We try that's right. And then they grow into the these boundaries. teenager years where mm-hmm. they should be getting more freedoms because they've earned more freedoms. They've earned our trust. They've been respectful. But instead, they become teenagers and they start going wild. And then we start trying to take all these freedoms away from them. Mm. It should be the, the total opposite of that. As they grow, and you know, my kids, by the time they were teenagers, they they had earned so much more freedom than a lot of other kids had because they they for the most part, not always, but for the most part, were making wise choices. So they didn't even really I don't know if I should say this or not, but my kids really didn't even have a curfew mm-hmm. because I I knew they were respectful. I knew where they were. I knew what they were doing as long as it was like we're watching this movie over at the friend's house or whatever. Yeah. But I gave them a lot more freedoms because they were responsible to do all of these things and I trusted them. And so that's really, as they grow into their teen years, we want to give them more freedoms as they earn. And, and so when we do the hard work when they're younger, mm-hmm. then they're earning those freedoms and they get to experience those as they get older instead of doing it the opposite way. Well, and I think if done the right way when they are quite young, they still very much want to please mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And so you're giving them that ability to choose the right thing and to praise when they do. Right. And, and then as they mature, you know, Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and Lord willing, they do make right decisions right. out of you know respect for mom and dad and respect for the Lord. As right, well. that's right. Yeah, our pastor always talked about when they're little, they need to stay within the box. But as they get older, you want the box to be in their heart. Mm-hmm. And oh, I think I that's like a that. good picture of it too. Now, there are so many wonderful benefits to parenting the right way, as we've been trying to mm-hmm. talk about. Why is it so easy? to slip off and practice these things. I mean, I'm raising my hand. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done sure. it before, Me absolutely. Too. It just seems so simple to slide into one of these practices. Mm-hmm. Why do you suppose that is? I think one of the reasons is because we see it all around us. In a mm-hmm. sense, it's peer pressure. This is how the world tells us to parent. I mean, the things that we just talked about, the counting to three, bribing, threatening, we see it all around us. And because that is pretty much the, the way that the world tells us to parent. But Colossians 2, 8 warns, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. You guys know as well as I do, we live in an age that defies God at every point, mm-hmm. including child training. But the Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. And so, you know, these are all around us and the world is uh, putting all of these experts saying, you know, don't discipline your kids. Don't let them, you're going to mess up their, you know, their what, their psyche and their, all of these (laughs) things and mess up their self-esteem and their confidence and all that. But that's just not true. That's how the world is telling us to parent. Um, Where 1 Corinthians 3.18 says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Mm. And so we always, our our primary resource for parenting our kids is the Bible. God's word is wisdom. God's word is truth. And so we need to make sure that if we are reading some parenting books and we are listening to some other people talk about parenting, we need to make sure that those people are drawing from the truth of God's word and not the way that the world tells us to parent. They're pointing us to the scripture and what God's word has to say about these things. Because that is when true, genuine 
uh, change is going to take place for the right reason. It's going to be heart-oriented change. Yeah, I think so much of, well, I'll just say in my own heart, when I fall into one side or the other of the ditch of, you know, not parenting the way I ought, it's it has to do with my own sinful heart. So it has very little to do with the way my children are behaving. It has everything to do with how I'm perceiving myself or what others are seeing around me in that moment. So I think keeping my heart right and staying in God's Word and reminding myself of what God's Word says about how we discipline our children mm-hmm. makes more of a difference than anything. I'm, I'm not going to you know, fall into some of these habits if I'm remaining in God's Word, writing right. in it. That's right. But like Sonia said, we're all going to fall into it sometimes. Sure. And there were many times that I found myself, even though I totally knew better, mm-hmm. in ruts. Of, of, of letting my kids be disobedient and letting them be disrespectful. And I think the reason why is because they would I would be so consistent and so diligent and they would do well for so long and there was so much peace. And then all of a sudden I start letting these little acts of disrespect go and these little acts of disobedience. And I think it's because we've been doing well for so long and I was enjoying that. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I realized that my relationship is not as well is not as good with my kids. It's like this tension and frustration start creeping in. And it would always be my fault because Mm -hmm. I was not being consistent in teaching, correcting, and training them in righteousness. And so when I found myself in those ruts, which was, I can remember several times when my Mm -hmm. kids were little, all of a sudden realizing I'm in this rut, and I would just sit them down and just say, you know what? I need to ask you to forgive me because it is my responsibility to train you in wisdom, and I have been allowing you to behave foolishly. And so please forgive me for that because I love you too much to allow you to disobey and to live foolishly. And so then we would just go back over the standard. We would go back over what's expected, and you know God's mercies are new every morning. Mm-hmm. Another idea that comes to my mind is it's easy for me to slip into that that mistake if I'm busy, mm-hmm. if I'm focused more on um, tasks mm-hmm. and things instead of on the people. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked about that. We, we, we're prayer partners. We actually, <laughs> because we both struggle with this, so we actually pray a lot that yeah. we would be more people-oriented instead of task-oriented. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's easy to, mm-hmm. to get that mm-hmm. view skewed mm-hmm. when when that's your focus. Yeah. But the other reason that I think it was easy to slide into some of those mistakes is because I didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It, like you said, it's yeah. all around you. That's what you see. Resort right. to what you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, it's easy. And you, you can't pull a new idea if, if you have nothing to draw on. Right. So what can we do instead? Okay, so I have developed this three-step plan, all based on Scripture, for what we can do instead of counting to three and bribing and threatening and repeating our instructions and raising our voices and all of these things that we shouldn't be doing. Because I'm like you, I think if we've got a plan in motion, we're gonna it's gonna help us to be a little bit more easier, uh, a little bit more consistent yeah. in training our kids the right way. So um, I in uh, my Wise Words for Moms chart, and then I have the book. Um, I can't believe you just said that. Here's That's the, the little chart. This is like a little quick reference flip chart that's going to help you implement the plan that I talk about in, I can't believe you just said that. So they kind of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the plan is, and we talked about this before, we've been on with Sonia before and we talked about this three-step plan, but for those of you who may not have heard the show, we're going to talk about it again. Um, Step one is heart probing questions. Because when we ask our kids heart-probing questions, that is going to help get to, it's going to get past that outward behavior 
and help them recognize what is going on in the heart. And that's just the example that Jesus set. Mm. All the stories in Scripture, or so many of the stories in Scripture, when, when people did something wrong, um, Jesus wouldn't just tell them what they did wrong and what they ought to do instead. He would ask them heart-probing questions because he wasn't just concerned about the outward behavior. He was a skilled heart-prober. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they would have to evaluate their own hearts because Jesus knew how to ask those questions in such a way that they would have to take their focus off of uh, the sin in everybody else's life and the circumstances or situation going on around them and onto that sin in their own heart. So asking just, um, you know, one, two, three, uh, very simple heart probing questions to try to get past that outward behavior, that's step one. And so in my chart and in the chapters in my book, I have, well, really more in the book, I've got um, parent-child dialogues because a lot of parents are like, I don't know how to have these conversations naturally with my kids. So in every single chapter, I address a different tongue-related offense. Like chapter one is on whining, the, ne or the next one's on lying. And so it's all these different specific tongue-related struggles that they face. And so I, I open with a very common, relatable scenario that anybody is going to be able to, to, to relate to. And then I offer just two or three very simple heart-probing questions. And I do some parent-child dialogue so that parents can see how these conversations can play out very naturally with their kids. And then step two really, and step three are based on the Ephesians verse that says we're to put off our old self and put on our new self. And so um, I talk about, uh, I go to the scripture and say, what does God's word say about this particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued? And so that is what to put off from the heart standpoint. And then uh, what to put on, which is how to replace what is wrong with what is right. So, you know, simple, like when they lie, I have scripture that shows you what God's word says about lying and why, what that's going to lead to if it's continued. And then, of course, what are they going to put on? Truthfulness. And so there's going to be a couple of verses about the importance of being truthful and being honest. So these are great tools mm -hmm. that can be used with the kids. Right. And I know, Katie, you use those mm -hmm. with your kids as well. Right. How old are your kids now? So I've got 11, 9, and 6. And a lot of times I would find myself falling into just step two, which is what to put off. And, and admittedly, not always from a biblical perspective. You know, stop doing that because it's bothering me. Oops. Or whatever, yeah, or whatever it is. It's not necessarily scripture I'm referring to. But I love that the chart especially, I, I'll pull that out, and it gives me that moment of pause just to refer to, you know, some heart-probing questions rather than what instinctively comes out of my mouth, which is, why did you do that? Mm -hmm. Because no child knows why they did that. We don't know why we sin um, because our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately sick. <laughs> so, um, but they're not going to say that. Well, no, they're not going to say that, but no <laughs> yeah. child can recognize that. Yeah. So to be able to ask questions that they can then probe their own hearts and mm -hmm. find out, you know, what was my intention for that? And if they're too young to really do that, you answer for them and start teaching them what it means mm -hmm. um, um, to really identify sin in our own lives. And mm -hmm. um, so, as Ginger says, you don't get into a power struggle if they refuse to answer. You continue and you answer. And they're still them. pondering. If you, if, exactly. you ask that, if you ask them that question and they don't answer, they're still pondering that answer in their heart. So you're still heart probing, even if you right. do wind up having to, you know, sometimes they, they really don't know the answer. Right. And so it's, it's mm -hmm. a good thing to, you know, like I say that a child is tattling. You know, uh, my daughter, she doesn't. I have full permission from my kids. They feel like they're famous when I talk I about them. I don't even when yeah. I don't have full. But permission. now that mine are grown, they always feel. Mom's talking about us again. We're famous, and so, but um, infamous. So Alex really struggled with um, with tattling, and so one way that I probed her heart because I could tell 
Alex is my dramatic child. She's a theater major, and so she's an actress doing film now. And so um, she was very dramatic growing <laughs> up, and which is great because now she's getting paid for all that drama, <laughs> yeah. uh, making a living at it, actually. So, But she was so good at it that I could always tell exactly what she was thinking just by the expression, because she's so animated with her <laughs> expressions and everything. And so I remember um, her coming in the kitchen one time and tattling on Wes because he was in the creek. Last time we were on your show, we talked about them not being allowed to play in the creek. Right. So they knew they weren't allowed. And so Alex runs into the house and she says, Mom, you said we're not allowed to be in the creek and Wesley is down there catching tadpoles in it. And so you could totally tell that she's like thinking, so what are you going to do about it? And can I watch? <laughs> so see, if, I, and if I'm in the heat of the moment, I might just quickly say something like, okay, we'll just go tell Wesley to come here and I'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. But see, in doing that, I'm not pulling out what's going on in her heart and I'm not helping her understand the sin uh, that's going on in there. And so I might probe her heart with something very simple like, honey, could it? Because I can't judge the motives of her heart, mm-hmm. but I can say, honey, could it be that you are delighting in getting your brother in trouble? Mm-hmm. And so I remember asking her that, and she looked as if she were considering it and leaning toward the yes end of it. <laughs> and so I reminded her, I think it's Proverbs 17, um, that says, um, he who rejoices in calamity will not go unpunished. Mm-hmm. And now she's a, a little girl and calamity is a big word. So I might say, honey, if you are delighting in getting your brother in trouble, mm-hmm. then you're going to get in trouble because that's not right in your heart. And then so that's the heart probing questions and what to put off. And then as far as what to put on, honey, the, the, I'll say, honey, what could you have done to spur your brother on? toward what's right. Because the Bible says we're to spur one another on toward what's the good things. And so then she, well, I guess I could have told him to get out because I don't want him to get in trouble. You know, Mm. so we'll go tell him that. You know, and then that... In a kind voice. Right? In a kind voice. Mom said. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And two, because when kids are always trying to get the other one in trouble, that Mm. is going to, they're not going to have a lot of unity in that relationship. Mm. That creates a sense of even distrust. Now, I'm not talking about Obviously, if a child is endangering himself, endangering someone else, destroying property, the kids need to know to go and tell someone. But little things like, you know, they're not supposed to jump on their bed. So Timmy's jumping up and down in his bed and and the little sister comes and tattles. Honey, what could you have said to spur him on? Did you try to talk to him about it before you came to me? What? Because it's okay for them to come if the child is not listening. Right. But... We want to teach our kids. That cultivates unity in their relationship. Mm-hmm. We encourage them to encourage each other instead of them seeing that their sibling's getting this, you know, sick, twisted kick out of getting the other one in trouble. Right. And so, you know, well, I guess I could have said, you know, you're not supposed to jump on the bed because I don't want him to get in trouble or not supposed to jump on the bed because dad says we might get hurt. Go say that to your sibling. And then they're encouraging one another to do what's right instead of delighting and getting the other one in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a, that's just one example of how to probe the heart, how to teach them what to put off. You know, the Bible talks about tailbearing, about, I forgot where that is. I'm so bad about knowing where things are in the scripture, <laughs> but it does talk about tailbearing and, and delighting and getting, uh, delighting in someone else's suffering. And so, um, and then the put on is to encourage them in what to do. And so I, teach siblings to do that. I think following a method as well has helped me in not accusing my children. Um, one of mine especially is just very exasperated if ever I make an accusation. So I found that asking questions rather than making accusations goes a long way in helping them identify sin in their own hearts, and then we can work through it together. So I'm discipling. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, accusing. accusing. It doesn't put them on the defensive. When exactly. you ask questions, heart-probing questions, it really, you, you just don't see kids get defensive. Right. 
if they're worded the right way. Right. I love how you said, could it be, rather Mm. than, do you know that you are? Right. Exactly. Totally different approach. Which is still an accusation. It's a question, but it's still an accusing (laughs) question. Yeah, so it's how you word it. That's right. So that's what I've done, because when I... If I had not thought through ahead of time how to word something, I, me, naturally, I'm just not going to word it in a way that is beneficial to my kids. So that is why I went ahead and did the homework. I started doing it for myself when my kids were little. You know, they would have two or three things that they're struggling with at one time. And so I thought, in a time of non-conflict, mm-hmm. I came up with some good questions that I knew would probe the heart without sounding accusatory and that would really help them to think past uh, how to look past the outward behavior and really figure out what's going on in their own hearts. So then I was leading this mom's group and I took my little five or six behaviors that I had and they're like, well, what about whining? Well, what about tattling? Well, what about complaining? So then I wound up with 22 different behaviors that I'd basically just sat down and done all the homework. A lot of moms have it hanging up in their house and they call it their Mm. cheat sheet. Yeah, and you're talking about this. It's like a cheat sheet because all I did is I just sat down, I thought through some very simple heart probing questions and then I've given you Bible verses as far as what to put off and what to put on um, as far as the root sin that that outward behavior is is pulling from. One question I've heard moms ask on a few occasions is, is it awkward to pull out this chart when you're in the middle of, you know, having this discussion with your child? And my answer is, you know, I've said this a few times, that it, it makes me stop um, and not have a knee-jerk reaction to what we're dealing with. And it's almost as though we're we're going to God's Word together. We're, we're taking this to the Lord together, mm-hmm. and we're going to discuss it. So I, I really feel the opposite, that it makes it more natural to lead into a true discussion about spiritual things and about their hearts and what God's Word says. It's, it feels more natural to me than just whatever right. <laughs> comes to mind, right. which right. is never a good thing. Yeah, and I've had so many moms frustrated because they're like, I can't memorize all this. And I'm like, no, don't. That's why I put it in here. You don't have <laughs> you don't to have memorize to. all of it. Can you open it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I have, and it's so funny. Or have them read it. Have yeah. your kids yeah. read it. Yeah. And it's yeah. so funny because I have moms that will... Um, it's like they don't want their kid to see it. Like they'll run in the other right. room and they're looking at it and it, like the cheat sheet. And I'm yeah. like, it's okay. Like they're cramming for a test. It yeah. is okay <laughs> for your kids to see that you're wanting to look at what God's mm-hmm. word, to see looking up what does God's word say about this. Right. Remind yourself yes. the truth. Yes, it's We're okay. investigating together. How yeah, as soon as mine could read, I would have them go get the chart. I'm like, go get it and let's talk about this. And like I said, I think I mentioned this the last time we were on with you, is once kids get so familiar with the chart, it's going to be accountability for you Absolutely. because they're going to start whipping it out on you when they see you complaining and see you whining and see you being disrespectful. And so, um, but that's a good thing. A little accountability is good. It is. Yeah. So are you going to create a chart or a book on the six mistakes so that we can ask the heart probing questions of ourselves? Yeah. You know, like, okay, what motivates me to threaten? What right. motivates get me to Get on that, Ginger. Yeah. That'll be I'll, your I'll, next I'll book. I'll get right on that. I don't have anything else to do. Get right on that. I'm so glad you guys joined us again today. Thank you. Tell people how they can get in touch with you. Okay. Well, uh, I have a website, gingerhubbard.com. And so that's where they can get all these resources. I would love for you to purchase them from me. I know there's all these Amazon shoppers, and that's great if you want to go to Amazon and get the free shipping. But I love it when people purchase right through my website because that helps support the ministry. Um, And then Katie and I are both very active on Instagram. And uh, I like to offer daily advice and encouragement to parents on Instagram. And so I am at ginger.hubbard. And so you can come to me for the advice and encouragement. And then Katie, my sidekick over here, is the hilarious one that she is literally my favorite person to follow on Instagram because she's so funny. 
and just so down you to earth. You follow like so three re- people, though. I really so do. I, I, but you're the first. You're not, well, that's true. There's only three people I follow. Three. Oh, okay. I'll, three. I'll, I'll take it. is right I'll take there it. at the top. <laughs> but she is, y'all. She's a hoot to follow. And she is at Katie in a Corner, and that is K-A-T-Y in a Corner. And so we love to do that. And then the thing that we are the most excited about that we really, really, really are having the the biggest um, influence, I guess, as far as encouraging parents to reach the hearts of their kids is through our podcast, Mm -hmm. which we started last February. It's called Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. And uh, we just are just love being able to encourage parents and how to reach past outward behavior and pull out the issues of the heart and then address them from a biblical mm-hmm. perspective. And so, and we're super excited to, uh, from a practical standpoint, to help parents move um, to learn how to really move past the frustrations mm-hmm. of not knowing how to handle issues like whining and tattling and lying and disrespecting and talking back. And we cover all sorts of different topics and help them move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle those issues and into a heart-oriented uh biblical approach to raising their kids. And Ginger, you do answer listener questions as well, which is a huge benefit. I know a lot of people at conferences especially will pepper you with questions, but this is a great way we can answer because we get a lot of the same questions from parents, and so we're able to address those. Address that, yeah. So they can actually go on my website, gingerhubbard.com, and there's a a form called Ask Ginger. So if someone is struggling with something specifically, they can go on and ask it, and then Katie and I answer those questions um, on the podcast. And they can also look at your past podcast exactly. episodes because you've yes. answered many of them there That's right. as well. So That's they right. can refer to it again and That's again. right. But we love it when they go on the website and ask those questions mm-hmm. because that really enables us to interact with our mm-hmm. listeners Wonderful. and so and really address the needs uh, of the people that are listening. Great. So. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also subscribe to the video version of this podcast or read the blog post on our website at simplycharlottemason.com. All of those links will be in the notes, along with links to any resources that I mentioned. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.